Good morning. Welcome to Kavanaugh. Go ahead and stand on up with us. And let's sing From the Day You Saved My Soul. be seated out there. Good morning. How are we doing? Fantastic. We want to welcome you to Kavanaugh. We're so glad that you're here today or joining us online. 
Uh, we love you, and we're going to worship our Savior together today. I'm excited about that. Uh, in Hebrews, the author talks a lot about Jesus being our eternal high priest. And I love that because he has no beginning and no end, and he's all-powerful. And it said he laid down his life as a sacrifice, as a one-time payment for our sins. Jesus, he conquered sin and death with his sacrifice. And because of that, we have the gift of salvation. We have freedom and forgiveness of our sins. Guys, that's much to celebrate about. And that's why we're here, is to, to lift up our Savior, to give him thanks and glory and honor and praise for what he's done for us. Guys, he has saved us. He's made salvation possible. And we have eternal life uh, waiting for us. Best news in the world. Amen. All right? So put a smile on. Right. Yeah, we can give the Lord a hand for that. Amen. Would you stand this morning, and let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we want you to keep singing, keep worshiping, keep praising the Lord. God, we love you, and we thank you for the privilege to be in your house today. Lord, we are so excited about you and about your love for us and about who you are. So today, we want to worship you. I thank you for the privilege to gather in your house. I thank you for our praise team and for all the preparation that they put into leading us as we, as we exalt your name. And as Brother Will comes in a few minutes and preaches, Lord, would you just anoint him and speak through him with your Holy Spirit. Speak into our hearts, Lord. Help us to love you, to live for you, to obey you, and help us to go out to make you known in this world. Today, if anyone uh, doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that they will, they will know, Lord, uh, that you're the only way to eternal life, and they will, they will trust you as their Savior. We love you, God, and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Keep singing, please.
can clap for that. Yes. Um, I got to share something with you this morning. Um, it's not what I planned on saying, but that's the way the Lord works sometimes. Um, you may think that I know everything that he's going to preach and all that. Not true. I didn't really actually know what that this was tied to his sermon. But uh, this morning, he said in his sermon, and you'll get to hear this later. Sorry. Still in some thunder. <laughs> God has a word for you every day. God has a word for you every day. And um, just personally for me this morning, I woke up and uh, very distracted, feeling overwhelmed with a lot of different personal things going on in my life right now. And um, just kind of feel the spirit warring within, without, you know, struggling and uh, trying to get things done, uh, put things in perspective. And over and over, I just kept hearing the Lord speak. Angie, only one thing is needed. Only one thing is needed. Only one thing is needed. Shared this scripture with you guys before. The Lord reminds me of it often. I think because I can relate to it so well. It's the story of Mary and Martha. And they know that Jesus is coming for a visit. And Martha is the one who's doing everything. She's distracted by everything. And um, really caught up in it. To the point that she is uh, frustrated. Kind of not knowing how to deal with things on her own. And then you find Mary who's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says to her. In Luke chapter 10, verse 42, only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good portion. I love that. I love that he says only one thing is needed, like it is a need. Some, scripture, uh, some translations say that it's needful. Some things say only one thing is necessary. But the point is that Mary gave up herself to sit at Jesus' feet and to be quiet so that she could get guidance from Christ, right? And that's what he was pointing to me today. Angie, only one thing is needed. Don't worry about all the other stuff. So I want to say that to you. Don't worry about all the other stuff. Only one thing is needed. The necessary thing, the necessary voice that you listen to is that of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And the more that we are with him and the more that we spend time with him each day, the more we love him. This next song is just, Jesus, we love you. It's just a song of adoration. So I pray that as we sing this morning, that you can mean that from your heart. Jesus, we love you.
Everybody said, what? Amen. Thank you, priest team. Appreciate that. Good to see you today. Glad that you're here. Man, we got a big crowd in the balcony. Let's hear it from the balcony people. Well, there's more than that up there, so uh, good deal. Those watching online, thank you for participating in our service today. Glad that you're joining us. It's, it's good to have everybody here. I was really surprised when I walked in and came up and saw Whitney sitting there. Of course, I wasn't surprised Whitney's here because she's been here for a few days with uh, Ella Jane and, and baby Archie. What surprised me is Ron and Verna were sitting beside her. Uh, Ron and Verna Puckett are here today visiting. Good to have you guys. 1988, Angie and I moved to Pine Bluff, and Verna was the church secretary. And so her job every day was to keep me straight. And it was a, it was a hard job. Ron and Verna became dear friends. Uh, Ron, I don't know if you remember the night. Uh, it was on a Sunday night. I got really sick, and, and I, I fainted. I collapsed in the Parsonage bathroom. Angie didn't know what to do, so instead of calling the uh, emergency room or, or the uh, ambulance or 911, she called Ron. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Ronnie, Ron came over, and I can remember, I was kind of out of it. He literally picked me up, Dallas, and carried me to the car, took me to the hospital, and uh, dear friends, the cool part for me today is that Ron and Verna... <laughs> helped us raise Whitney, and uh, Whitney spent just about as much time at Ron and Verna's house as she did our house, and uh, they were her best friend. Ron let her do anything she wanted to do <laughs> at his house, and so it's really cool to see y'all holding Whitney's little boy, Archie. He's, he's my mini-me, isn't he? And uh, we're so glad that you're here today. Glad everybody's here today. Give yourself a big hand for being in God's house to hear his word today. I'm doing a series right now on grow day by day. And that little phrase, day by day, is actually found at least six times in the Bible. And we're looking at it and studying it, the things that we need to do to grow day by day. We're following our church's mission statement, which simply says, at Kavanaugh Church, our mission is to win people to Christ to train believers to become disciples, and then send disciples out into the world to impact the world. And so we're concentrating on that second commandment, which is to train. Train believers to become disciples. And that training happens day by day as we grow in our relationship with Jesus and become his disciple. Now let me kind of change gears and, and kick this message off. Tell me, what would happen to you if you only ate one meal a week? Okay? Only one meal where you drank water and ate food. You only ate and drank one meal a week. Not one meal a day. I'm talking one meal a week. What would happen to you? You'd lose a little bit of weight. You might die. At first service, several people said, What? You would be really grouchy. I, mean, yeah, I know that for sure. You would be grouchy. It wouldn't be good. Nothing would be good if you only ate one meal a week. Now, doctors and scientists tell us that a person can only exist from 8 to 21 days with absolutely no food or water. And really, water is the more important thing there because the composition of our body is made up mostly of water. So if you deprive yourself of all fluids and no food, you're only going to live between 8 and 21 days. If you continue drinking water but you cut all food out, you can live as much as 
two months, and then you're going to die. But here's the point. God made us to drink water and to eat food. And our bodies function at maximum capacity when we are eating and drinking every day. Now, I know this because I'm, I'm, I'm an old man now, and I've, I've studied it myself, and I've been on different kinds of diets. This, this physique, <laughs> however you want to look at it and whatever you want to call it, I fun- David, I function best when I'm eating between four and six smaller meals of healthy food a day, and Jason, I'm drinking a gallon of water. That's when, that's when <clears throat> I'm at 100%, all right? And that's the way God made us. God made us with the need to eat food and drink water every single day. Now, why did I start by saying what would happen to you if you only ate and drank one time a week? Well, as important as food and water is, those are not the only things that are necessary to be at your best. There, there's another element that we need day by day, and that is God's Word. We need to be consuming God's Word every single day. And for a whole lot of people who go to church, the only time that they're consuming the Word of God is one meal a week, <laughs> and that happens on Sunday morning. So I'm in this series of messages on the day-by-day passages in the Bible. Why? Because Christianity is a daily thing. It is a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week lifestyle. It is something that we do day-by-day, step-by-step, moment-by-moment. And today we're coming to this subject of our daily spiritual diet. And I'd like to show you the context from Nehemiah chapter 8. Now, our key verse is way down in verse 18. But before we get to verse 18, we need to make sense of what's happening in Nehemiah chapter 8. It it is a wonderful chapter talking about ancient Israel and their history. It also has within it several verses that you can feed on all week long. In this particular chapter, the nation of Israel has returned to its ancestral homeland to begin rebuilding the towns and the cities after the Babylonian invasion, and most of the people were taken to Babylon to be in exile. So the people have come back, and they had worked long and hard to rebuild the temple. They had also rebuilt all of the walls going around Jerusalem. They had rebuilt their own homes, and they were trying to reestablish their nation. In chapter 8, they took a break from all of their work in order to celebrate. And that celebration turned into a Bible conference, (laughs) and then it turned into a praise session. Let's just work our way and exegete from verses 1 through 17 real quick, all right? And get to our key verse in verse 18. Here's how the chapter begins in verse 1. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra, who was the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So this book of the law of Moses is the first five books of our Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It was known as the Torah. It was known as the law of God, the Pentateuch. 
And so that is what Ezra is going to read in front of all the people. Look at verse 2. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of which month? The seventh month. Keep that in, in your mind. It's actually our month of October. According to the Jewish calendar, the seventh month would be our month of October. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday. Now, I've only got you guys in here maybe for 30 minutes, you know, and you do pretty good. But could you imagine getting there at 8 o'clock in the morning and just listening to the Word of God read until midday, maybe 2 o'clock in the afternoon? And that was before the men and women, those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. I mean, they were captivated by God's word. I, I think there's reasons for that, and we're going to get to that in, in a moment. But they were listening to the book of the law of God. The, the passage goes on to tell us how Ezra and Nehemiah and the elders of Israel had prepared for this day. In fact, they had built this massive stage or platform that was way before the people, tall before the people. And on top of that platform, they had built... I guess what you would call a pulpit or at least a table where they would take the scroll of the Word of God and unroll it as Ezra read it. Nehemiah was up on the stage and all the elders of the Levites were up on the stage as well. It goes on to say this in verses 5 and 6. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was standing, what? Above all the people. Let me just do a little time out. Have you checked out the new building out here lately? I mean, you need to go walk through that right after service. It's really coming along. You can see where our new auditorium is going to be. And even though it's not marked, I know exactly where the stage is, and I know where my pulpit's going to be. And I'll go out there about every day, and I'll just kind of stand in that spot and look around and imagine that y'all are out there, you know, and that I'm preaching to you. One of the things that we wanted to make sure of is that our stage was the proper height Okay? So that when we stand and lead in worship and stand and preach, that everybody's going to be able to see and hear. And so that's important. That's what he's doing. He's standing above all the people. And when he opened the word of God, all the people did what? They stood up. They were giving reverence to the word of God. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And then all the people answered. There's two amens there. It's a dual amen. So amen wasn't enough. It was an amen, amen. And I mean, all he's doing is reading the word of God. And as he's reading, they're saying what? Amen, amen. 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 Double amen. So I'm just trying to emphasize that too. It's okay for you to say amen. It's kind of a Bible thing here. They were agreeing and they were saying amen to the word of God. And then what does it say they were doing when they said, amen, amen? You can do that too in worship to God. So they lifted up their hands and they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord with their faces all the way down to the ground. Wow. So it, it, this Bible conference was actually turning into a worship service and they were giving praise to God. Now, Verse 8 describes how Ezra presented the scriptures to them. And I consider Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8, the Bible's most definitive and descriptive word 
about what preaching is all about. And here's what it says in the New King James Version. So they read, that is not only Ezra, but Nehemiah and all the Levites, they were going out amongst the people and reading to them distinctly from the book in the law of God. And they gave the sense and they helped them to understand the reading. Okay? Now, maybe that's kind of hard for you to grasp or get a hold of, so let me read it out of the New Living Translation. Same verse out of the NLT. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people to understand each passage. And if you were to ask me, Will, what do you consider a good definition of what great preaching is? I would have to say that verse right there, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. Good preaching happens when the preacher or the teacher clearly explains the Word of God in a fashion that you not only understand it, but you are able to make application into your own daily life. That's what good preaching is. It's just not a bunch of yelling and screaming and that kind of stuff and all kinds of stories. It is clearly explaining the Word of God in a way that you get it and you can apply it to your life. I had a professor in, in seminary, preaching professor. He said that preaching is kind of like the McDonald arch. You know McDonald's, the place you eat or maybe don't eat, right? The arch. He said, here's what good preaching is. The preacher takes what the Word of God said, that's the first arch, internalizes it himself, and then the second arch, he is telling the people what God is saying. So good preaching is taking what the Word of God said and then making application, what is God saying in your life? And that is what's happening in Nehemiah chapter 8. The interesting thing to me is the response of the people when this kind of preaching happened in Nehemiah chapter 8. It goes on to say that all the people began weeping. There were sounds in the congregation of sorrow that filled the air. And, and I don't know exactly why all of the people were weeping when the word of God was being read. Maybe for a couple of reasons. Maybe because they realized just how sinful they had been and how rebellious they had been. And as a nation, get this, as a nation, they had left the foundation of the Word of God and they had not been obedient to the Word of God and because of that, as a nation, God disciplined them and defeated them and they were hauled off into Babylonian captivity. You know what? I could chase that rabbit this morning, but my warning to us as, as, as Americans is, you know what? Yes, God has blessed us, but unless we stay on the foundation of God's Word, we too will be disciplined. And you can take that any direction you want to. Maybe that's the reason they're weeping. They, they realize just how sinful they had been. Or perhaps the reason they are weeping is because they had, just, they had never heard the Word of God. And this was an emotional experience for them as they were hearing the word of God. But I want you to notice what Ezra, Nehemiah, and the Levites said. It says, and Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to your God. Do not mourn, don't weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet. 
Send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, and then read this last phrase with me. For the joy of the Lord is your Wow, what an amazing verse. He's saying, hey, today is not a day to weep. It is a day to rejoice. It is a day to be filled with joy because we are hearing for the first time the word of God. So go home and celebrate. And then this great little phrase, for the joy of the Lord, the joy of knowing God, God's joy becomes your strength. And church, we we know that is true. It's the attitude of joy that gives us the enthusiasm and the vitality and the strength and the vigor to face each and every day. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And then look at verse 11. So the Levites quieted all the people saying, be still for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions and rejoice greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. And the reason I read that is that last phrase here. They are understanding God's word. They are getting God's word. And as they understood the word of God, they were receiving the joy of the Lord and they went home rejoicing. Now, the next day, the tribal elders came back and with Ezra and Nehemiah and the Levites, they continued to study the word of God. And they came to this passage in the Bible that talked about the Feast of the Tabernacle. It was a feast that God had commanded the children of Israel to keep. They were to go out and cut branches down and make little tents, or the New King James calls it booths, tents on their rooftop or tents in their backyard. And they were to literally camp out for a week in remembrance and celebrating what God had done for the children of Israel as they spent 40 years in the wilderness traveling around living in tents, okay? Now, let me just read what is going on here beginning in verse 13. It talks about this. So on the second day, the heads of the father's houses of all the people with the priests and Levites were gathered to Ezra the scribe in order to understand the words of the law, okay? And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in these tents or booths during the feast of which month? The seventh month. What month did they do this? Well, it was in the seventh month. So this was the appropriate time to observe this feast in the month of October. Some believe it was October the 8th. And that they should announce and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, go out to the mountain." And bring olive branches, branches of old trees, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of leafy trees, and make these booths or tents as it is written. Then the people went out and brought them and made themselves booths, each one on the roof of his house, or in his courtyards, or in the courthouse of God, and in the open square of the water gate, and in the open square of the gate of Ephraim. So the whole assembly of those who had returned from the captivity, made booths, and sat under the booths. And here it is. For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until that day, the children of Israel had not done this. And there was very much a whole lot of great what? Gladness. It made them happy. The kids were happy because they were getting to camp out for a week. The adults were happy. Why? Because they were obeying the word of God. 
And my whole point comes back to this thought. When we read and obey and apply the Word of God in our life, there is going to be not only great joy, but there's going to be a whole lot of gladness. Are you with me? And that brings us to our key verse for today, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 18, which says, Also, and there's our little phrase, day by day, from the first day until the last day, they read out of the book of the law of God. So what are they doing every day? They're reading God's word. It was a day-by-day occurrence. Every day they were reading the word of God, a daily thing. Now, some people call this daily Bible reading manna in the morning. Have you ever heard it referred to as that? Your daily devotions, manna in the morning. If you get up in the morning and you read the Word of God, you start your day out with God's Word, it could be manna in the morning. Just like the children of Israel for 40 years went out every morning and on the desert floor, they picked up what? Manna. It was their daily food. Well, this is our daily food. In Acts chapter 17, it tells us that the people of Berea gathered, and every single day they searched the Scriptures. They read the Word of God. The psalmist tells us to meditate on God's Word both day and night. Proverbs chapter 8, 34 says, Blessed is the person who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, and waiting at the post of my doors. So church, here's what I want you to hear this morning. Here's what I want to say to you. Here's what I want to tell you. That day by day, every single day, God does have a word for you. Every day, God has something to say specifically to you. And our greatest job and our greatest joy is hearing every day from God whatever it is that he wants to say to us. Day by day. We get that from reading his word. Are you with me? I'm 59 years old. I've been having my own personal devotions for at least 50 years. When I was a little kid, mom and dad, they they raised us right, Jason. Every night before we went to bed, we would go into mom and dad's bedroom, and dad would read a passage of scripture, and then we'd all get down beside their bed, remember, and, and would pray. And I always liked to go last. I like to, didn't I? I like to go like. But then after we prayed together as a family, I would go into my bedroom across the hall from mom and dad, and there on my nightstand was my, my, my little Bible, and I would open my Bible and I would read a couple of verses to my dog, <laughs> whose name was Pooty, uh, laying on the bottom of the bed down there. I would read some verses and then I would pray and I would go to bed. So I've been having personal devotions for well over 50 years. And I've learned a few things about my daily quiet time with God I want to share with you this morning. Here's what I've discovered. Reading my Bible day by day brings clarity to my life. It brings clarity to my thoughts and my attitudes. Diving into God's Word every day gives me, and here's the word I want you to hear, perspective. Because this world can taint your perspective. This world and the news that we hear every single day coming into our mind and our hearts, it taints our thoughts. It gives us bad attitudes. And listen, if all I do is listen to the news all day and, and, and look at my phone and, and all the news that's coming across there, I'm going to be really tainted. <laughs> I'm going to be very depressed. 
I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to function. My thoughts go haywire. My attitudes get bad. And it is the word of God that brings stabilization to my life. And it clarifies my thoughts and attitudes. I'm not just making this up. Listen to the word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Paul says, for the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of your heart. So as the world brings its perspective into your life and taints your thoughts and attitudes, God's word on a daily basis keeps us on an even keel. You know what? I really think sometimes we'd be a whole lot better off if we just didn't listen to all that junk. Or at least listen more to God's Word. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, daily Bible study, daily reading of the Word of God gives my life clarity. The second thing is this. Reading the Bible day by day has increased my joy. Now, Angie might say, or some of you might say, well, you sure still are an old fuddy-dud. Well, just think what I'd be if I didn't have this joy of the Lord in my life, you know? I've already read to you this, this great verse in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And the more I examine the scriptures and allow the scriptures to examine my heart, the more of the joy of the Lord I possess. Look at Psalms 119, verse 111. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. And I don't know, just by looking at some of you, you need to get in God's Word a little more. We need His joy. It brings joy into our life. We've already looked at it in Nehemiah chapter 8. The people had joy when they read the Word of God. Number three, reading the Bible day by day helps me stand firm against whatever I am facing. It gives me stability in my life. Literally, when I am building my life on the foundation of the Word of God, I can stand against anything or anyone. How do I know this? Ephesians chapter 6 tells me. Now, y'all know I love Ephesians 6. In fact, I pray Ephesians 6 over my entire family every single day without exception. Here's what it says, Ephesians 6, out of the New Living Translation. Paul said a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the wicked one, the evil one, the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Let me tell you, that is some kind of battle, and it never stops. It's constantly going on in your life and in the air around us and in the heavens above us. Therefore, he said, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth. That is the word of God. You gird yourself with the belt of truth and also the body armor, the breastplate of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. 
In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery darts or arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And when we are fully clothed in God's armor, I'm here to tell you, you can confront the devil as he stands before you. And if you are not facing evil right now, hang on, because you will be soon. The only way to be ready to be prepared is by taking that belt of truth and buckling it around your waist, girding it around your waist. We are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. And God has provided everything that we need to stand against the evil one through Jesus Christ. But it's a day-by-day thing. You, you can't fight the devil today on what you read from the word of God or depended upon yesterday. You need his word for you today. Day-by-day, day, clothing yourself with the armor of God you can fight off the evil one. The fourth thing I've discovered about Bible reading is this. Reading the Bible day by day brings me hope. It brings me hope. It not only brings me clarity and joy and the ability to stand firm against my enemy, but it brings me hope. Look at Romans chapter 15, verse number 4. Such things were written in the Scripture long ago to teach us. And the Scriptures give us, what? Hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promise to be fulfilled. When I read the Bible, I am very quickly reminded of all the men and women who have gone on before me, the ones who have experienced the grace, the help, the love, and the hope that comes from being a child of God. And when I remember that, it helps me to also remember that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And that gives me an incredible amount of hope for this day that I'm living in. But it happens day by day. Hmm. Those are just a few of the blessings that I receive when I read my Bible day by day. But I want you to understand something. I don't read my Bible day by day just to get something from God. Are you with me? I don't have a daily devotion time just to get things from God. I have a daily devotional time because I love Jesus Christ. I love Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I love him so much that I want to hear from him every day. Now, taking it down on a different level, I love my wife. I love my wife more than I love any of you. All right? She's special to me. And you know what? Because I love her, I want, I want, I've got to talk to her every day. I've got to. There's, there's a hunger inside of me to communicate with her. That's on a human level. My love for Jesus is so much greater, Dallas, I can't make it a day without talking to him. And here's what I know. When I put him as a priority in my life, and I make that my greatest job and my greatest joy, he is going to give me a word. He is going to tell me what I need for that day. I need God's word every day more than I need food and water. And we've already established the fact that you've got to have food and water to live. But I need it more. I need Jesus more than I need anything else in this world. The book of Deuteronomy says 
Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Joshua said, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and your way shall be successful. It was the psalmist who said, The entrance of thy words give light. And then over in the book of Proverbs, it tells us to treasure his commandments within us. Jesus said, search the scriptures, for in them you will find me because they speak of me. Here's what the apostle Paul said. Continue in the things that you have learned and become convinced of. Timothy, knowing from whom you have learned them. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures that are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, even instructions in righteousness. And Peter said that God has given us exceeding great and precious promises by which we can participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in this world. So church, let me reaffirm to you this morning, my challenge for this day should be very clear. My challenge is that every single day you need to spend time with God in reading the Bible and in praying. God has a word for you. And your greatest job and joy is to discover his promises and his truth for the nurturing of your soul, for the sustaining of your soul. You need God's word more than you need food and water. How about a double amen? Amen and amen. You think that's enough? Could could I just stop right there? I could, but I ain't going to. I want to end this sermon with an application because the title of the sermon is Grow Day by Day, Our Daily Devotion. So let's talk about how we can implement this in our life and, and how we can grow to become the disciple God wants us to be. And let's use that word grow, okay? Each letter stands for something. The G stands for let's get time with God every day. For you to become the disciple God wants you to be, you need to get time with God every day. Who needs to do that? Me. You need to do that. Mm-hmm. You, need, you need. Jason, you, you've got to make the decision that, you know what, for, for Jason Armstrong, I've got to spend time in God's Word every day. Because here's the deal, buddy. Nobody else is going to make you do it. That's true. Now, when, when we got little kids, when you, were, when you were little, you're big now, you're strong, but when you were little... Maybe they forced you into having a devotion. Maybe they made you do it. This mean old guy over here yeah. made you yeah. do it. That mean little mama you got made you. But you know what? When they get that big, you can't force them. Nobody's going to force you to do it. And here's, here's the other deal, buddy. In your flesh, you're not going to want to do it. Nope, not, not on my own. Can I, can I tell you this? The biggest struggle I've had in these 59 years is to daily discipline myself to where I do the devotion because I have a zillion other things come up. And sometimes the flesh doesn't want to because, Brian, here's the deal. The flesh doesn't like discipline. The flesh just wants to, 
I want to do what I want to do. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. So you know, you've got to decide it. Nobody else is going to make you. Your flesh says you don't have to do it. And can I tell you, the devil doesn't want you to do it. Because if he can keep you from reading the word of God, he's got you beat. So you've, you've got to get time alone with God every day, and you've got to make the decision. This is important. This is priority, high priority. I'm going to do it. Tell the wife and kids or the husband and kids, tell the dog, don't bother me. Have a place where you go that is your quiet time place. I found out that it's, it's got to be the same place, the same time, every day. In order for me to get into this routine and have this quality time with God, you've got to do it yourself. You get that? Yeah. Get time with God every day. The R stands for read the Bible. I mean, that's pretty simple. This is Jeffro Bodine Theology 101 right here. Amen. He's smart. Yeah, and that's all you do is you, you just read, you read the Bible. Do you pray? Yes, you pray. When I pray, I talk to God, but you know what? When I read the Bible, God's talking to me, and I need to hear God. So I've got to read. God's got a word for us, but it comes from the Bible. You read the Bible. Warren Wiersbe said that if you will spend 30 minutes a day on any particular subject, studying that subject, 30 minutes a day, in 10 years, you will have received the equivalency of a PhD in that subject. 30 minutes a day, 10 years. So my hope is that in 10 years, we have a whole bunch of PhDs in theology in here. <laughs> and all it takes is reading the Word of God. So get time alone with God every day, read the Bible, but then it's not done until we obey what we read. Okay? Look at me. I'm, I'm oversimplification this morning. It does you absolutely no good if you read the Word of God and then you forget what you've just read. Right. James talks about that. It's, it's, it's like looking at yourself in a mirror and then don't do anything about the mess that you see. Right? You, you, you look at yourself and you do something to correct the problems that you have. Same way with the Word of God. I read it and then I go out and obey it. It's the application part. You flesh it out. You live it. You obey it. So I get time alone with God every day. I read the Bible. I obey what I read. And then the W is worship. worship. And that is what your daily quiet time with God is. It really is your own personal private worship time with the Lord. When we read through the book of Nehemiah chapter 8, we see that their celebration and their Bible conference turned into a time of praise and worship to God. Because you cannot read the word of God and pray without worshiping him. So you begin with worship and you end with worship. That's how you grow. And you do it day by day. You do it one day at a time, day by day, every day, feeding on the word of God. Heavenly Father, I, I pray that you would help us make that commitment to grow today. There are some people listening today, whether in this building or online, they've never given their life to Jesus. And I pray that today would be that, that decision of, of when they, they give everything to you, lock, stock, and barrel, and they become followers of Jesus Christ. Lord, for the rest of us, help us to make this day, November the 8th, 2020, the day when we make that decision 
that we're going to grow every day and that every day, no matter what, we're going to spend time in God's word and in prayer. Lord, help us to mark that in our hearts. Help us to lay our bodies on the altar of sacrifice and make that commitment to you today. And then, dear Lord, we'll experience that great hope and that great joy and the happiness that can only come from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now I want you to stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. We can't, we can't come to the altar because of COVID, but you know what? You can make an altar right where you're standing. And so would you make that commitment to God? Maybe you are here this morning and you've never been saved. We say at Kavanaugh Church, receiving Jesus is as simple as ABC. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that only Jesus can save you. And C, confess your life and your sins to Jesus. And if you've never accepted him as your Savior, would you invite him into your heart right now? Come and talk to one of the pastors after the service. We will help you with this. Then for the rest of you, as you stand there in your own little altar circle, would you make a commitment to give God time every day? Say, Lord, help me. Help me every day to read your word, to pray, to worship, and then to obey your word. Would you pray that prayer? In your own words to God right now. If you're watching online, make your commitment right now to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this day-by-day passage, and I pray that daily we would grow in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated just for a second. I've got, I've got a bunch of announcements that I want to share with you, so please kind of listen up and, uh, and then participate in what we're doing. If you're a guest today, again, COVID has changed everything, and so we no longer have a guest cards that we pass out, but we have something pretty cool. It's a get connected digitally, so if you'll pull out your, your phone right now, your, your device, and then just punch on photos like you're going to take a photo. You don't have to take a photo of that. You just stick your phone up to that little thing that looks like a Pac-Man maze, and it'll digitally connect you with KavanaughChurch.com, our website. And to the Connect page, you can just fill out that information, and, uh, and we'll get back with you and answer any questions that you might have about Kavanaugh Church. When you leave the room today, make sure you put the mask back on. Uh, we have had an outbreak of COVID cases in Fort Smith. We've spiked in Fort Smith again. I'll tell you this. There are several church members who have COVID. They did not get it here. Okay? We've verified that. But there are several families in our church that are battling COVID. Uh, in fact, Paul Hamilton is in the hospital in ICU right now. Really pray for him. He's battling COVID. Several others. So be careful, all right? Whether you're here at church or wherever you may be, uh, just, just be careful. When you walk out, we got those black offering boxes. That's how we're taking our offering up now. So drop your tithe and offering into the box, or you can give online at KavanaughChurch.com. Adopt a family is in a month. On December 6th, we're going to be taking Christmas gifts to 130 families that are needy in the River Valley. These are kids that would not receive any Christmas gifts if we did not provide them. Okay? This year is different because we're going to take the gifts to them. Usually they come to Kavanaugh and get their gifts. We're going to go and give the gifts to them. So we need your help. You can sign up out in the Welcome Center, see Brother Johnny, but we also need you to give. It's $300 
per family, and we have 130 families that we're supporting. Again, I don't ask you to do anything that I don't do, and, and I've given a check today to support one family. We may do more families as time goes on, but please give as you can. Also, are you still with me? Don't want to lose you here. If you go to KavanaughChurch.com, our church website, there's all these banners that go across the, the, the home page of events that are happening. I think it's either banner number three or number four. It's called Team Ron, okay? Team Ron. It's about Ron Rogers, member of our church. Back in February, Ron was involved in a, a horrific motorcycle accident that paralyzed him from his neck down. He's been in treatment in Colorado and here in Arkansas. He is progressing. Ronnie's doing better. He has uh, movement in his arms and hands, feeling in his legs. But it's an ongoing struggle and battle for both Ron and Sandy. And let me tell you, it, it has become a financial strain. So the music department of our church, because Ron and Sandy were on the praise team, uh, started this GoFundMe account for Team Ron. So if you go to our church website... Click on the, the Team Ron banner. It will take you to the GoFundMe page for Team Ron. And you can do one of two things. You can just write an encouraging message to Ron and Sandy and encourage them that way. Or you can give a, a financial gift. I did it this morning and uh, uh, because our guys set it up so good, it, it, it only took a couple of seconds for me to, to make a donation to Team Ron. And I'm asking you to pray about doing the same thing. They certainly need our prayers. So don't forget to pray for Ron and Sandy. Tonight at 6.30, there's going to be an adult Bible study lesson online. Uh, so again, uh, the Kavanaugh Facebook page or KavanaughChurch.com. Ray Copeland is teaching that lesson. Then this afternoon, Amra and uh, Michael are soon to be married. They were in the first service this morning. Their wedding shower is going to be from 2 to 4 at Michael and Heather Andrews' house. And if you don't know Michael and Heather's address, see one of us or look in the church directory uh, and celebrate with Amra and Michael. They're going to be getting married soon. I think that's everything. Now, take out a piece of paper and pen. I'm going to give you a test on all those announcements. Not really. Here's what I do want you to remember. I love you. And our staff loves you. In fact, we pray for you every day. But more than that, God loves you. So walk with God day by day. You're dismissed. Hope you have a great day. <laughs>